Hey, thanks for checking out this podcast. Uh, this is going to be a little different format than a Sunday morning sermon. Uh, and the the reason this particular message is being done as a podcast is it does include some very adult content. And we really want to protect uh, younger uh, worshipers in our church and and uh, to help guard their innocence a little bit uh, after listening to the content if you believe it's okay then you're more than welcome to go back and let your kids listen uh, just really wanted to to be careful with this particular message because uh, it it can be a bit graphic so that being said, we're going to look at the misplaced curse of Genesis. And this is in Genesis chapter 9, and beginning in the 18th verse, it says, The sons of Noah who came out of the boat with their father were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham is the father of Canaan. From these three sons of Noah came all the people who now populate the earth. After the flood, Noah began to cultivate the ground, and he planted a vineyard. One day he drank some wine that he had made, and he became drunk and lay naked inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked and went outside and told his brothers, Then Shem and Japheth took a robe, held it over their shoulders, and backed into the tent to cover their father. As they did this, they looked the other way so they would not see him naked. And when Noah woke up from his wine, he learned that Ham, his young, he learned what Ham, his youngest son, had done. Then he cursed Canaan, the son of Ham. May Canaan be cursed. May he be the lowest of servants to his relatives. Then Noah said, May the Lord, the God of Shem, be blessed, and may Canaan be his servant. May God expand the territory of Japheth. May Japheth share the prosperity of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. And Noah lived another 350 years after the great flood. He lived 950 years, and then he died. Uh, I'll apologize in advance if if I sound stuffy or or keep clearing my throat. It, uh, the wind was pretty brutal today and kicked up a lot of stuff, so uh, struggling just a little bit in the the sinuses and and it's draining back into my throat. So uh, if I make a bunch of extra noises and it's obnoxious, I'm sorry, but. Uh, just trying to find a time with with a quiet house to record this has been kind of tricky. Uh, if if we're going to tell this story, we have to go back and look at how the flood story paralleled the creation story, and and I want you to understand that. Uh, if you go back and pay attention to the details of the flood, it was marked out very specifically and ordered just like the days of creation. So in both stories, you're going to see days. 
and and then you're going to see uh, that at the end of those days there came rest and in the creation story you see that God stops creating in the flood story God stops destroying and and then if you keep going in that natural timeline uh, if you paid attention to the account in Genesis it then talks about how God planted a garden well if we look at what we just read when God stopped destroying the earth and and Noah and his family get settled what does Noah do he plants a vineyard which is a type of garden and and then back in the creation story we would see the the next sequence of events is eating fruit bad things happen a covering of nakedness and a curse and when we look at the 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 end of the flood we see the partaking of fruit in the version of wine bad things happening a covering of nakedness and a curse and the the hebrews or the the jews believe that the the cycle in the early part of genesis is for telling the story and and god almost retells the story trying to bring out more and more of who he is and who he wants us to be and uh, jumping into this we're, we're going to find out more about the who God wants us to be if you paid attention on Sunday or to the previous message or podcast the the whole story within the story of the flood was that God is a God of mercy and that he knows when to say it's enough and he loves us enough to to limit out the the destruction of mankind by offering us a way out he didn't wipe out all of mankind he he found someone who was trustworthy had his integrity and and he, he, he's looking for those same kinds of people today. And, and he made it even easier for us that all we have to do is ask that Jesus would forgive us of our sins and believe he died on the cross. And it's, it's a wonderful picture of, of God's character. And now we get to see where Noah's going to fall short of of mirroring God's character and uh, the the story goes back if you go back and read the the narrative it, it emphasizes a lot like the uh, the fall in the garden where nakedness gets emphasized and I, I want us to to look at that a little bit here the to look upon the nakedness there, there's a dual meaning in ancient Hebrew and, and a, a version of this will show up in Deuteronomy that is a different word, a different phrasing and we won't go into that one tonight uh, 
because I don't want to chase that rabbit down that hole. But the 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 version here in in Genesis means either to perceive or it means that there was an act of molestation or castration and and I looked at it and and there was in Genesis chapters 2 and 3 we we get the this brief paragraph in there that seems really out of place and and it would keep the two stories from mirroring each other if if we didn't jump in and catch this and it, it's gonna lead me to think that castration was the issue here and, and I'll tell you why as, as we go through it if you go back into Genesis and and you find that paragraph it's about the rivers that were coming from the garden and if you pay attention the first river has a lot of detail spoken about it the the second river has less detail the third river has a little bit of detail and the last river has no detail at all here in in western civilization we often talk about family trees and and that happens in eastern civilization as well a lot of people will use an olive tree or a myrtle tree but the ancient way of talking about a family tree they talked about rivers because all of the tributaries that flow into a river represented the different branches that we would see on a tree and and there were four rivers spoken about earlier in genesis and in this at the end of the flood we get the story of noah's sons and we get three sons that we have a lot of detail about. And then there's just kind of, it's just left hanging for us that quite possibly Noah was supposed to have another son because God's command to Noah when they came off the ark, the command to him and Shem and Ham and Japheth was to be fruitful and multiply. And and some rabbis believe that this fourth fourth family may have been that Noah was supposed to have another son. And part of the reason that he gets so angry and curses his grandson is because his son may have castrated him to where he no longer had the ability to produce another son and and the the ability to be fruitful and multiply is taken from Noah so in an act of vengeance he begins to pronounce a curse and instead of just cursing his own son he skips a generation because you've taken the ability from me to make a son, so I'm going to curse your son and every generation that comes after him in that part of the family tree or in that river that flows into the main river of our family. And, and the, the Hebrew word there for curse, the only other mention of it at all is when God pronounced the curses 
at the end of the garden. No other human being that curses in Scripture uses these words. So in this moment, you get Noah so full of shame and insecurity and anger that he tries to step into the role of God and pronounce a curse upon his grandson and and upon his grandson's generational line and and it, it just blows my mind because you know very few places in scripture do we get to see somebody try and step into the role of God and and to carry out a wrathful vengeant nature that God himself showed us he was willing to set aside and and I mean this is shortly after Noah has gotten to see that God knows when to stop his anger when to stop his vengeance and and Noah just absolutely blows it the the flood was meant to show us that mercy and forgiveness are two of the most important parts of God putting the world back together after the flood. And, and that we're called to learn to trust the story. If Noah had trusted the story that God was going to refill the earth, and Noah's going to live another 350 years after this, he's going to get to see the the early impacts of his curse and we i think at times find ourselves almost guilty of that as well where we're out of our hurt and out of our shame and out of our fear and out of our anger we we make judgments about the world around us and, and about people and and you know we we like to say with our mouth that, yeah, God can save anybody, but in our heart and in our mind, we've already condemned them. We've been called to trust in Jesus and to lean into him so that we can say he's enough rather than to, to lash out in our fear and our shame and in our insecurities. When we do that, we can begin to help lead the world that is lost down the path of redemption that begins at the foot of the cross. And we can fulfill the great commission of going and making disciples of all men. But we have to learn to really reflect the character of God and the mercy of God. That, that even when the world would castrate us, and and that that can look like a lot of things. It can look like getting ripped off in a business deal. That that can look like being taken advantage of because of your generosity. That can that can look like disagreements with other believers about what God called disputable matters. And instead of working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. You know, Jesus saw it with his disciples that 
they they were more worried about the speck in their brother's eye than the beam that was in their own. We're called to know when it's enough. And to to be like God and to love people enough to welcome them in and to to share with them the story to share our story and to love them like he does and and this curse that was pronounced on Canaan is going to revisit the descendants of Shem and Japheth all throughout the rest of the story and we still see evidence of of this curse in our world today but wrapping this up I, I want to come back to the eternal are we just as guilty as Noah of of pronouncing a curse on on not just the the person that we we can't find in our heart to believe that God loves them really believe that God loves them and forgives them to where we forgive them where we look beyond what they do and what they identify as and we begin to see that there's an eternal soul in there that God loves desperately and we begin to instead of doing that we we condemn them and and sometimes that condemnation is going to go generation to generation to generation until somebody loves them enough to go meet them where they are and let the light of the gospel shine through them we need to be people who are not out there misplacing curses we can despise sin with everything that is in us but we have to love the people like Jesus did trust the story and believe that Jesus can make all things new I love you thank you for taking the time to listen to this and uh, I pray that God just continues to open his word to us in exciting and new and wonderful ways. We'll see you later.